What's up? Welcome to Bow Down, the teaching ministry of Pastor Chris Tress. I would like you to turn to uh, 1 Corinthians 12. We're talking about the gifts, and the gifts have been given to build the church of Jesus Christ. And there is a lot of confusion over the gifts, and there doesn't need to be. There's a lot of division over the gifts, and it doesn't need to be because why? We have this thing called the Bible, where God has just made things clear for us. You may not understand the gifts, and that's okay because nobody in this room does, including myself. You don't understand it fully. How do I know that? Because that's what the Bible says. And so we didn't need to chill, uh, left off. Two weeks ago, last week, Peter Warren did a great job. But two weeks ago, I actually did two different sermons for, uh, on a Sunday, all right? Because I was trying to finish. It just didn't happen, and so I've given up on finishing. Maybe Jesus will come back before it happens. <laughs> But um, so all of that stuff's online. We've already covered a lot, uh, but we'll be picking up here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Um, I want you to understand something, church. And Josh, if you could just put the plate up there. Um. There's a watermark on that. We didn't want to pay the $18, okay? So your hard-earned tithes, you know, ain't going to a water. Anyway, so, so the, that's why the Jesus bread is a little fuzzy. Um, here's what I want you to get, though, with this picture. The gifts are just the fork and the spoon. The plate is Jesus. It's all about Jesus. We exalt the name of Jesus. And gifts are just utensils to bring Jesus to other people. It's like when your kids were little, some of you. Here comes the airplane, right? And you put it in the mouth. That's all the gifts are. That's all they are. Let's not fight about that. We may not agree on how these things work, but gifts are gifts. They're gifts. They're given to us by God. And so we want to talk because God does not want us uninformed. Um, one of the gifts that's listed in Ephesians 4 and here in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is this term apostle, apostle. So the office of the 12 apostles is settled. It's settled. We don't have any more of those. But the gift of apostle, it means messenger. It's where the Latin word, we get missionary or sent. And so God still sends apostles, if you will, small a, to go and plant churches, go and start ministries. He still sends and raises people up to do that. But when you look at the word count for apostle... It's used 19 times, apostle. When you look at the word elder, it's used nine times. But if you look at the word brother in the New Testament, it's used 104 times. 
Listen, I don't care if you're an apostle. I don't care if you're a prophet. I don't care if you have the gift of healing. You are a brother first. I don't care if you're an elder, bishop, uh, anointed one. Hey, listen, last time I checked, 1 John chapter 2, verse 20 and verse 27, we are all anointed. Say I'm anointed. Yeah, you're anointed. If you're a Christian, you're anointed. If you're not a Christian, you're not anointed. Come see me after. I got to get you anointed. Jesus says, you're not to be called rabbi for you have one teacher. And you're all brothers. Bro. Call no man your father on earth. This is in Matthew 23. For you have one father who is in heaven. Neither be called instructors or teachers, for you have one instructor or teacher. That is Christ Jesus. And the greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Now, people take that verse out of context, not using the whole counsel of Scripture, which, by the way, 1 Corinthians 12, you're going to see that teaching is a gift. So what does Jesus mean? Don't call anybody teachers, but then there's a gift of teacher. What do we do, Jesus? Your identity is not in your gift. Stop it. I see people, oh, I am so proud. I, I have this gift of, and then they name it with pride. Why would you have pride if you have a gift that was given to you that you didn't have anything to do with it? This is why racism is just the most ignorant thing. Amen. Last time I checked, I didn't say, hey, mom, I want this beautiful tan before I come out. <laughs> and I'm going to take pride. foolishness of man and jesus says you have one father don't use don't call people father but then paul in first corinthians 4 he says you have countless guides in christ it's first corinthians 4 15 you, you don't have many fathers for I became your father. So what is it, right? Yeah, we're supposed to. First uh, Thessalonians 2, it says that I was with you like a mother nursing her child so tender and compassionate. And he's talking to the church. And then he gets down to verse 11. And he says, I was with you like a father exhorting you, exhorting you, right? So Paul's not saying he is the church mother and the church father. It's a a posture that we want to move with God. And when it's time to be gentle, we can be gentle with the staff and bring somebody close. But when it's time to be a father and bring that rod, the rod and the staff, man, we've got to be able to use both when the Holy Spirit moves, uses, moves us to use both. And some people never use the rod because there's a false grace. The rod and the staff comforts me. When Jesus has hit me with the rod, it brings me comfort. Why? Because it proves, Hebrews chapter 12, I'm not an illegitimate child. Because if I did not belong to him, he would never correct me. If you are continuing in your life of sin and there is no conviction that you need to stop, that you need to change, you might not have the Holy Spirit in you because the Holy Spirit is holy. 
And again, come forward at the end. And we can talk about that. So, here we go. Wow, just kidding. Um, there's been things, guys, that I've seen that shifted my paradigm. So when I first started volunteering at Urban Youth Impact, and Bill, you're going to raise your hand, Bill, real quick, please. Founder of Urban Youth Impact. A lot of my stories come because of my walk with Bill over 25 years. Can you believe that, 25 years, Bill? And let me, let me tell you, I almost didn't make it 25 years. I'm mentoring two kids. I'm rolling down Tamron to take them home, and I look, and, and this is back in 98. Well, I was just a volunteer, and I see Bill. He's on the side of Tamron, and he's got a shofar. And he's walking with people that have signs that say, try our Jesus. I'm like, try our Jesus? That's not doctrinally correct. There's only one Jesus. But I understand what they're saying. Shofar? Bro, that's weird. <laughs> Never saw a shofar growing up in church my whole life. What? This guy, this tall white dude's in the hood blowing a horn. <laughs> this guy's cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, right? And I'm just thinking to myself, Now, listen, listen, those of you who have religious spirits, calm down. I'm going somewhere. (laughs) Fast forward. This morning, I step on campus. And in my office, I have a shofar. And I blew that thing a number of times. And I said, God, send your angel, send your warrior, send your spirit on this place. And I blow it in faith. Because I'm a little cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. So I've seen things happen, and we're going to get into that today, that I just can't explain. And last time I checked, we can't put God in a box. He can do whatever he wants when he wants. And when we say he doesn't do that anymore, we've got to be very careful because we can't find that verse in the Bible. We just have to be very, very careful, and we have to be humble. And so here we go. 1 Corinthians 12, 28, I'm for real this time. And God has, past tense, appointed in the church. You want to highlight that, in the church. First apostles, Second, prophets, third, teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. This is why tongues is so divisive, because there's various kinds of tongues. That gives a lot of kind of freedom, if you will. Listen, if you have the gift of administration... Come see me. I got a sock drawer that I need to get in order at home. Um, but we also, more importantly, have, a, uh, have the five-fold gift test that we've sent out to the church. And, and okay, now we have the, 
the information, how can we get things in order, because we'll get to this next week, 1 Corinthians 14, God wants everything done in decency and in what? Order. Order in the church, not disorder. I want you to highlight God is appointed in the church. God has appointed in the church. Again, we shouldn't argue about this. Scripture is very clear. God has appointed this in the church. I want you to keep your place here, and I want you to turn to Ephesians 4. We've already been here, but it's important that we remind you of this reality. Gifts are all over the New Testament. They're all over the New Testament. In the book of Acts, prophetic direction is used in the entire book except for one chapter. There was prophets that were prophesying, there was dreams, there was, there was visions, there was Peter had some kind of a kind of trance type of thing that happened where these sheets came down. And then what's funny is he's telling the Lord, no, don't ever do that. And so to say the Bible is God's word, it's, it's all scripture, 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17, all scripture is breathed out by God and it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, right? And encouraging or admonishing the church, the church, so that the man of God or woman of God can be complete, We believe here in the sufficiency of Scripture that if you read the Bible and you obey it and you do everything that it says, you will be complete for every good work. Not some good work, not most good work, every good work in the Bible. A lot of us don't believe that. That's why we go to college to get qualified. But we skip over Acts 4.13 that it said, hey, these two guys... They were uneducated men. But they had this boldness and this power, and they knew that they had been with Jesus. Let me just submit to you, if you sit in our prayer room at the office on 17th and Tamron for four years straight, 10 hours a day, you might be further along than someone going to seminary. But that's just my little opinion. Ephesians 4. No judgment for those who have their MDivs and all that stuff. We love you. And you're supposed to study to show yourself approved. But anyway, we don't have time. I honor, I bless. But sometimes, just sometimes, God may raise up all the disciples who, were ne- who never had their degree. They never had their degree. They read the Bible. They, they, they walked in the Holy Spirit. Jesus was uneducated himself. John the Baptist, he went to the desert for 30 years and he died to himself and he waited for the appointed time to come. And Jesus says of him, no greater man born of a woman than John the Baptist. And so, (sighs) Ephesians 4, he gave apostles, prophets, verse 11, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain unity. Understand this, God wants unity. It's listed first. We have to be unified. Don't allow the gifts to cause disunity. 
That's why it's there, by the way. It's unity, guys. Unity does not mean uniformity. Unity happens when, if I disagree with you, that's okay. Here's my verse and why I believe that, but I'm going to honor you as better than myself. Unity. So we attain unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. The knowledge of the Son of God. Adam knew Eve and there was a baby to know God, to know Jesus to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. You and I are called to look exactly like Jesus so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning and craftiness and deceitful schemes. These gifts are important so that your life isn't shipwrecked by the deceitful schemes of the world and the enemy. Verse 15, rather speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up in every way into him, which is Jesus, right? The head, Christ, for whom the whole body, that's us, joined and held together by every joint with which it's equipped. When each part is working properly, it's the problem, most parts aren't working properly. That's why discipleship's important. And it makes the body grow. It makes the church body grow so that it builds itself up in love. The gifts are not given to tear people down. The gifts are given to build each other up in love. Now, you may have a hard word. Hey, you need to repent. But when you repent, this is the difference between not God and God. In Christ, there's no condemnation. So if I tell you to repent and you just feel condemned, that is not God. The Holy Spirit, he convicts, and conviction is different. You need to repent, but I'm here to walk with you until you get well. Because the good Samaritan, he left and he had to go do other things, and he said, I'm going to come back and I'm going to pay more. Jesus never gives up on his sheep. He continues to go after the one, and he leaves the 99. That is the love of God. And you may get a hard rebuke. You may get hit by the rod, but understand a true shepherd will want to bring healing to that so that you begin to run like you should, not limping around like a broken down sheep condemned. Condemnation, conviction. There's a difference. And we need to be people, which is another gift, discerning of spirits. That guy calls himself a prophet, but everywhere he goes, he's condemning people. Well, bring them to me. I got a rod. I got a staff, too. I want you to turn to Romans 12. Oh, man, this passage right here, we're hearing a lot about the Asbury University revival. And even with that, oh, my gosh, Jesus, save me from your people. It breaks heart, God's heart when we argue about that stuff. Don't condemn. Go visit. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Don't condemn. Go visit. 
But then you go visit, and then the church that you come back to doesn't want to do what they're doing, and then you got a religious spirit, and you're condemning the church for not doing what they're doing up there because what they're doing up there is the way to do it. And so if we don't do it like that, then Ichabod, the spirit has left the building. Oh, man. Oh, man, God, grow your church. And the way God grows his church is through his word. Listen, if it doesn't line up with the word of God, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. I don't care what they said on Oprah. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. Look. There's a reason we have a verse on our tithe box in the back. We don't, we're not going to pass a plate today. People are like, why not? Don't you worship God? Yeah, we worship God. But if I got to remind you to worship God, is that you really worshiping? I'm not that guy on the corner of 45th Street asking for money. If you're a Christian, you know where that box is, and you know you ought to give because it's a command. But don't give because I'm bringing it up right now. That's why the verse is on that box. We got a verse for that. It says, don't give under compulsion. Meaning, when you go to a meeting, you don't give like because somebody is, 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 is making you give or telling this story or, or saying, hey, somebody here needs to put their Rolex, Rolex into, the, into the plate, right? Don't do that. You decide in your heart before the meeting what you ought to give. And that's why we have that there. And if you're not cheerful, don't give. It also says that. So if you've got to get back in the box because you gave it grudgingly, we'll, we'll open up the box for you. We've got to tax you first, though. I'm, just, I'm kidding. All right, Romans 12. It says... This is, this is just so good. So, so I, I brought up the Asbury Revival. This passage here is the passage that was preached on, and then worship has gone nonstop. And you're going to see a pattern here. It's, it's why I believe God has us here. You're going to see a pattern that's amazing here. And so you have 12, 1 and 2, where God talks about worship. Worship is not songs. You've got to grow up past that. Worship is a lifestyle where you get your whole life on an altar and you say, God, I'm dead. All my life is yours. Spiritual act of worship. The first time the word worship is used in the Bible, Abraham leaves the donkey and he leaves his servants and he goes up on the mountain to to kill the 12-year-old boy. That is the first time worship is used. Worship is not a cheap thing. It is not songs. It is costly. And that was the son of promise who he waited for 25 years. Worship is different than songs. It's a lifestyle. Let's go down to three. The whole chapter is really good, by the way. It says, by the... For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. So there is a measure of faith that God has assigned to you. Be at peace, Christian. 
Be humble, because the measure of faith you have to believe, whatever you believe, has been given to you. Be humble. Be humble. For as in one body, we have many members, and members do not all have the same function. Romans 12, verse 5. So we, though, are one body in Christ, individually members of one another, having gifts that what? Differ. We all have different gifts. According to the what? How much you prayed? How much you fasted? How much you studied? How much you, nope, according to the grace given to us. So, so if you have given these gifts, let's use them. Prophecy in proportion to our faith. If service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, and the one who leads with zeal and passion, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. And so we can have in this room somebody fall down on the ground and maybe they're sick or something like that, and you'll see a whole bunch of people running up. Oh, how's it going? How's it okay? Hey, that's the gift of mercy. Me, probably not, okay? I'm going to be like, hey, where's the elders? Where's my prayer people? We're going to go pray for you, all right? But some other person with the gift of administration and leadership, hey, 911. All those gifts are needed. All those gifts are needed. <laughs> All those gifts are needed. And instead of having gift envy or arguing about this stuff, we need to be saying, okay, God, what is my gift? What is my gift? I want to know my gift, not for myself, but so I can use it to serve the body of Christ. It's for the building up of the body of Christ. Ephesians 4, Romans 12. Why would God put so much information concerning gifts in the Bible if there was no more gifts? And then you have verses 9 through 20 here. And I want you to see this pattern. 9 through 20 talks about love. So it goes from gifts in Romans 9 to love. Gifts to love. And by the way, in that, at that university in, in Kentucky, they were talking about love. And then the Holy Spirit did what it, it is doing, what he is doing, which is cultivating a people because the Father is seeking worshipers who worship in spirit and in truth. And it started with gifts and love. Gifts and love, they go together. When we think of gifts today, we think of gifts and division. And you know why? It's because we're not walking in love. And there's an arrogance and there's a pride and we think we, 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 we're, we're, we're up here, and really, we're not up there. Verse 10 of Romans 12, love one another with a brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Man, this is how we love. This is, there's 30 commands listed in these verses. Love, love, this is how you love. This is how you love. And again, it's right after the gifts were listed. So, Let's go back to 1 Corinthians 12, and let's pick it up in 29. By the way, we have a college day of prayer coming up February 23rd. And so 
<clears throat> is Parker in this service? There you are. Parker, stand up, man. If God is doing something in Parker's life, right? Keep standing, Parker. <laughs> He's single, by the way. Um, <laughs> forgive me, Lord. Um, God is burnt, putting a passion for prayer. And let me just let me brag on Parker. When we talk through the book of Revelation, stand up, Parker. Uh, we're going through the book of Revelation, and there was a lot of division that was happening because, man, uh, we were talking about some things. And so in his house church, there, there, there was some discussions going on and, and things that were happening, right? And so what Parker decided to do was, you know what? I'm going to start on Tuesday night at PBA on my college campus. I'm going to... I'm going to have a night where we're going to pray for Bow Down Church because I see kind of dissension or division or bad things happening. Listen, that is maturity. Immaturity is jumping in there, casting stones, causing division. What side are you on? Are you on the winning team like me? And so... God is moving in Parker's life in a powerful way for prayer. And so if you want to join him and, and get with him for the 23rd, please do so. Okay? It's coming up. We want to see, and you can sit down now, bro. Um, <laughs> we want to see what's happening in Kentucky. We want to see it here. And there's been people that say, hey, should we go to Kentucky? If you feel led to go to Kentucky, go to Kentucky. But let me just submit this to you. We've got a prayer room on 17th and Tamron. And if for three days, because it'll probably take you three or four days to get there, to sit in the stuff and soak it up, and, and if you want to just sit in our prayer room for that long, you can go ahead and do that. We'll open it up to the church. It's open if you want to go pray. It's always open. Just saying. But if you want to go, go. But why couldn't it happen here? Why can't it happen here today? You know what I love about it, by the way? I've been in the morning waking up watching the live stream for that service. There's a piano and a drummer. It's no-name college students. And they're worshiping Jesus. And there's no words on the screen. And they're just worshiping. And so for two and a half hours... I'm watching the live stream. I got my headphones on. My wife probably wishes she had her headphones on. And I'm just singing, and I'm weeping, and I'm crying, and I'm just worshiping Jesus. It's Jesus. It's just Jesus. Oh, God, do it. Do it, God. Do it. And so verse 29 1 Corinthians 12, it says, are all apostles. So we've read Romans 12, we've read Ephesians 4, and so because of that, the answer is no. They're not all apostles. Are all prophets? No. Are all teachers? No. Do all work miracles? No. Do all possess the gifts of healing? No. Do all speak in tongues? No. Do all interpret? No. 
Why? Because we're a body. It's a rhetorical question, and the answer for Scripture is no. And here's where the ignorance comes in the body of Christ, where we have denominations that actually teach, man, if you don't speak in tongues, then you're not born again. If you don't speak in tongues, then you've not been baptized in the Holy Spirit. If you don't speak in tongues, and it's all this stuff that's not biblical. And we're not going to have that here. Now, if you want to keep believing that, you can. But I encourage you to read Romans 12, 6 again, because it answers this question, which says, having gifts that differ, meaning we don't have the same gifts. According to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, why? Because it's probably not going to be prophecy if that's not your gift. And so we need to be wise when it comes to Scripture, and we need to be humble because, listen, you can believe, if it's your belief here, you're allowed to worship here, worship Jesus here, and if you believe personally that if somebody doesn't speak in tongues, they're not saved, that's okay. If you want to believe that, we're going to love you, we're going to honor you, and we're going to consider you better than ourselves. We're going to prefer you. We just say, hey, don't teach that here. Why? Well, I just explained why. This is what we believe here, but we don't need to fight about it. I can honor you if I disagree with you. Remember, Remember the pattern in Romans, gifts, love, and you're going to see this pattern here, 1 Corinthians 12, gifts, and then we get to chapter 13. What is that? Love. It's love. Can God heal through you if you don't have the gift of healing? Yes. Again, last time I checked, God can do whatever he wants to do. But if you walk around saying, I don't have the gift of healing, so I'm never going to pray for healing for anybody, don't do that. If God leads you to pray for somebody to be healed, pray for them. Don't disqualify yourself because God has qualified you. He's given you the Holy Spirit, and the same power that raised Christ from the dead is within you. And he can do what he wants when he wants because he's God. But listen, if you are like a one for a hundred healing, you probably don't have the gift of healing. And don't be ashamed about that. It's just not your gift. Again, come see me. You might have administration. I have a, a friend who has the, the gift of prophetic words where, where, where things have, he said... That no way nobody could know, but he doesn't have the gift of tongues. God hasn't given him that gift. We, we come up with these weird doctrines in the church of Jesus Christ that don't have, they're, they're not well thought out as far as the Bible is concerned. There's a group that I really, really like that do house churches, and I'm not going to mention their names, but, but one of their doctrines says if you're not baptized, then you're not saved. Number one, it's not in Scripture. Number two, the thief on the cross wasn't baptized. And number three, practically, if I lead you to Christ today, 
And then we're on our way to the beach to get you baptized, and you die in a car wreck. I'm not going to say, well, I know he prayed the prayer of faith because we're saved by grace through faith in what Christ did, but he didn't get that one work, which is baptism, so he's not saved. That's a false doctrine. You can believe that, though, in here. We will wash your feet, honor you, love you, but please don't teach it. You, you don't have to change what you believe. We're going to love you regardless of what you believe and don't believe. Some people here might not believe the gifts are for today. Listen, you're welcome here. We're, we're, where's the plate again? Please put up the plate. This is about Jesus, guys. It's not about forks and spoons. It's not about that. It's about Jesus, so exalt Jesus. And if you don't believe in a fork, that's okay. Use your hands. Get Jesus. And we love you. So let's continue on, verse 31. So the rhetorical question was no, not, not, not all have gifts, but earnestly desire the higher gifts. So there's higher gifts? Yeah, in the list, there's higher gifts. There's ones that really, really help the body. In fact, when you get to 1 Corinthians 14, where it talks about the various kinds of tongues, there's tongues that just edify yourself, meaning... Well, we'll get to that next week. But there's gifts that really do advance the kingdom of God. There's people that need to be sent and plant new ministries, right? Apostle means sent. There's, there's the, pro, the prophets where, hey, no, this is what the word says. We can't bend off of that. Or words of knowledge, words of wisdom, like like. This past couple weeks, I can't remember when it happened, but I'm praying for somebody who is precious to me, and I gave them the verse that the battle belongs to the Lord. Stand and see the salvation of the Lord. And that verse, I think it's in Exodus or somewhere. I can't remember where it was, but I texted it to them, and they responded back. They say, OMG, that was my devotional this morning, that verse. Now, do you think I'm smart enough out of the thousand verses to pick that verse on that day, to send it to them. No, I didn't do any of that. God put it on my heart. I acted prophetically on it. Hey, I believe God wants you to stand like this. And then the confirmation came because this person is seeking God in their devotions, and it lined up, and faith begins to rise because that's the gift of prophecy. Prophecy should line up with what God is already doing in your life. Not, God wants you to go to Vegas and gamble everything that you have and then give it to the church so I can get a new airplane. Yeah, that stuff happens. I was not being serious. Don't take that out of context. You have the rich young ruler anointing. God is called, you know, you have to test every prophecy and you got to hold fast to what is good. God has a plan for your life, but so does everybody else. 
So here's the more excellent way. 1 Corinthians 13. If I speak in tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or clanging cymbal. Tongues doesn't impress me. It's a gift. Love, love. How many people have went around condemning people because they don't have the gift of tongues? And you are a clanging symbol when you do that. Don't do that. Don't do that here. And if I, if I have prophetic powers, verse 2, and I understand all the mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to move mountains, but I have not love, what? I'm nothing. Settle down, prophet. Settle down. Are you giving that prophetic word in love or in a judgment, a condemning judgment? Love is going to be defined here, and so many people have prophesied in the wrong spirit because they were not perfected in love. So many people split, and they use the verse of Paul and Barnabas splitting when really the real issue is they were unwilling to do the hard work of love. And they want to take a scripture and justify what they're doing. This is why the church body, we have to come together to test, to test why people are doing what they're doing. If I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but I have not love, I'm nothing. Verse 3. 1 Corinthians 13, if I give away all that I have and I deliver up my body to be burned, but I have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It doesn't rejoice in wrongdoing, but it rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things. Believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. Another translation says love never fails. But as for prophecies, they're going to pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. And then I want you to highlight this. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. From now on, at our church, now I have to get this approved by the elders because I'm not in authority. But here's what I would do if I was the boss. (laughs) Don't ever use that term in here that you're a prophet. I want you to use the term from now on, I'm a partial prophet. Why? 1 Corinthians Can I get a witness, my partial prophets? This is Paul writing the Bible, and there's no disrespect to to that gift. I'm not disrespecting. We just want to think biblically, and this is the problem. This is the issue why so many prophets are wrong. They've never been able to allow the word of God, the rhema of God, to come into their soul and spirit and divide it, Hebrews 4.12. Divide it? Yeah, divide it, because your soul, it's made up of your mind, your will, and your emotions. And some of us, our emotions aren't under the control of the Holy Spirit. Our will's not under the control of the Holy Spirit. And, 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 and our thought process is not under the control of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, a prophet 
today who is not fully under the authority of the Holy Spirit will prophesy wrong. And I don't care if a prophet has been right a hundred times. You still test every prophecy. Why? 1 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, verse 17 and 18, it talks about that in 19. Don't quench the spirit. Don't despise prophecy, but test them and hold fast to what is good. Why? Because some of them will not be good. Why won't they be good? Because a person isn't completely broken. And again, this is why a lot of prophets got the Trump election wrong. Because their soul was on Trump. He's going to save America. No, Jesus can if America repents. And there was too much of a political spirit going on when we never read 1 Samuel chapter 8 when it talks about kings and what they're going to do. And that we never trust in kings. We always trust in Jesus. And so I'm not going to prophesy politically correctly unless my soul, mind, will, and emotions are under the control of the Holy Spirit. And if I don't sit long enough to say, test it. If I don't bring it before the church and say, test it. Elders, what do you think? This is what I feel, right? Test it. Man, then we're going to be off. You know why? Because we're partial prophets. Partial prophets. So put that on your business card. (laughs) Prophets, you're going to be sent out into the world, but don't put profit. Put partial profit. We want you to be biblical. 1 Corinthians 13, 9. No disrespect. God wants humility. Why? Apostle Paul, he's writing this. This dude wrote 13 books. And he's saying... We prophesy in part. We've got to be humble. Go ahead and put up the stitched heart. Picture, please. That doesn't mean anything to you, but it means a lot to Bill and I. There was a time in my life where I was, I was kind of disagreeing, kind of disagreeing. I was really disagreeing with Bill Hobbs, who was my boss. And I had a whole resignation letter in my bag and we were at a conference we were in a conference and I'm worshiping Jesus and this lady turns around during worship her name's Dorothy Beaumont I believe she's in heaven she was about 85 years old she's like hey I got a word from you for you I'll give it to you after the 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 service I was kind of like okay lady you partial prophet. <laughs> After the service, Bill, Bill leaves and goes and talks to somebody, and she turns around, and she says, hey, where's that guy with the white hair? Moses? Yeah, Moses. He's, he's way over there. And she's like, I want you to look at me, young man. Don't ever separate from him. I see this heart. It's, it's cut in two, but it's stitched together. Don't ever separate from him because there's more power when you're together. I was about to quit my job at Urban Youth Impact with my resignation letter that evening and say, Bill, I'm out of here. I don't need you anymore. I'm taking my ball and I'm going home. I'm right. You're wrong. See, that's a young, immature prophet, by the way. 
That was into their feelings because they weren't getting their way. And they did, and God was trying to teach me how to submit to somebody when I think I'm right and I think they're wrong. Think, think is a key word. How can I submit to somebody who I don't agree with? You do that because you love. And you stay submitted because of love. And I had to learn the lesson of submitting to someone. By the way, that wasn't the only time. Another time in ministry, there was a person that was over me at work. And I thought, I don't even know if this person's a Christian. Anybody ever judged and condemned like that, or am I the only one? Okay. But yet I want you to submit to them. For about four or five months, I was just... My heart was wrong. I had judgments. I had unforgiveness. And then God took his rod and took me into the woodshed, and I had to repent. And then that day, when I I felt like, okay, I need to go into this person's office and ask for forgiveness and repent, I went into that person's office. I said, hey, will you forgive me for this, this, and this? I am so sorry, and I'm going forward today, and I'm going to honor you, and I'm going to bless you. You're my supervisor, and and I'm just sorry how I've been reacting. The next day, I get a call into somebody else's office and said, hey, Chris, we're moving you out of that position into another position to run this ministry position. What was God teaching me there? (laughs) Obedience. God doesn't need you to go start another ministry He was teaching his boy how to submit and love and honor someone who he disagreed with, thought he was better than, knew more of the Bible than. But guess what? Without love, you're what? Nothing. And so when I finally got my heart right, the Lord said, hey, we're moving you out of that position. The Lord did that, not man. Man's not that smart. This is why this stuff's so important, guys. And so I repented that day when I was given that word from Dorothy Beaumont to Bill. I asked him to forgive me. Our relationship was reconciled. I stayed under. I served him. I honored him. I continued to do that. And you know what? A few months later, Bill said, Chris, I feel like you need to be on your own. So I'm releasing you to go do Bow Down Church on your own, away from urban youth, because I believe in you. Instead of me taking my ball and going home like an immature Christian who wasn't getting their way, who wasn't getting their way, and I got these verses, I learned to submit, and I left with the Father's blessing. Bow down, got free rent for 10 years, baby. So, hey, thank you, urban youth. I received the Father's blessing when I went out. Why? Because God had to humble me of my pride and my arrogance and my unwillingness to fight. And that wouldn't have happened without 85-year-old Dorothy Beaumont from Oregon, who's probably listening right now. Prophetic words saved me from my ignorance, saved me from my pride, saved me from my superior Bible knowledge. Without love, you're nothing. Without love, you're nothing. Without love, you're nothing. 
Your gifts are nothing. Without love, you're nothing. Verse 10, 1 Corinthians 13. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. Children want their own way. My, 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 mine. When you grow up, you first. It's not about me. But when I came a man, I put the childish ways, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall be known, then I shall know fully. So this is talking about heaven, even as I've been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide, but these three, the greatest of these is love. The greatest of these is love. This has been a perfect sandwich, 1 Corinthians 12 and 14. These are all about the gifts, but these, these spoon and, and, and the fork, right? It, it's, it's love. It's Jesus. It's the love of God. That is the centerpiece. This is why Paul, and really it's not Paul, it's the Holy Spirit. He puts that right in the middle, like the Oreos, good stuff in the middle. And then we see in Romans chapter 12, it talks about gifts, then it goes to love. It's love, it's love, it's love, it's love, it's love. Gifts are secondary, gifts are easy, gifts are not that big of a deal. The big deal is Jesus and his love. And am I walking in that? Am I known for that? It's what we've got to be known for. And I want you to look at 1 Corinthians 14, 1. Pursue love. We got to go after love. And yeah, earnestly desire spiritual gifts, especially. So we're called to go after that. But it's love, 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 love. And so if you've been a person that has divided the church over gifts, just repent today and Jesus will forgive you. If you've been a person that has been arrogant and prideful and had to have their way on things and and you've caused division and separation, God hates divorce. He hates it. If If you've judged other believers over this topic of gifts, again, you need to repent today and you need to be a person that loves. In humility, Philippians 2, 3, consider others better than yourself. Worship team, come on up, please. Consider others better than yourself. Humility, humility, love. These are the things. And again, the fruit of the Spirit is talked way more in the Bible than the gifts of the Spirit. Gifts are given. It's not because of you that they were given. It's because God chose. So be humble. Let's be loving. Let's not fight. Let's not argue. And let's not divide. So, God, I just pray for our church. This is your church, Jesus. You said you would build it and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I thank you for victory in Jesus. 
I thank you for what you are doing in this place. And, and even in Kentucky, where Jesus, you are the one that is being worshipped. You are the one. You are the one. And God, it is our prayer as we sing now that we would touch your heart, that we would worship, that we would adore you, Jesus. And these things, God, these things that cause division and separation and, and all of this stuff, God, we pray that your love, your love would have its way. Save us from ourselves, Jesus. Save us from our religious opinions, Jesus. Save us from our judgments. Forgive us because you told us, don't judge another man's servant. We've disobeyed you, God. Don't judge anything before the time. We've disobeyed you, God. And I pray, God, that love would dwell in this place. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thanks for visiting us today. Make sure to check us out online at www.bowdownchurch.com.